This is the Gear Patrol Podcast. In this episode, senior staff writer Tanner Bowden unloads his pocket knife knowledge and offers up a wealth of advice to inform your next EDC purchase. Tanner also discusses why the pocket knife's blend of form and function is so beloved by so many. Ultimately, Tanner goes over his top three pocket knife recommendations in detail. Beforehand, he covers pocket knife basics like knife types, blade shapes and sizes, and the main brands you should know. He also delves into terminology and the mechanical attributes of common knives, from actions to locks to handle materials. And he explains a great deal about the different kinds of metal you'll come across as you shop around. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Gear Patrol podcast. And if you already have, we'd appreciate a review. Those five stars help us get into more ears. I'm Nick Caruso, and I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. So Tanner, we've got a lot to cover right now in terms of like sage advice and essential knowledge, but big question up top, sort of philosophical. Why do so many people love pocket knives? Yeah, the philosophical is a, a funny and probably good way to put it. Because um, it's kind of like asking, like, why do people like bikes or cars or watches or, you know, whatever. But in, in an attempt to answer that question, I think it's because pocket knives have this sort of like unique uh, combination of traits to them. The, the first one being, and I think kind of the primary sort of like the foundation one being that a knife is a tool a pocket knife is a tool so there's this element of utility to it um you can cut boxes open or uh you know slice cheese or fruit or whatever i don't know you can just do so many different things with a pocket knife but then there's also this thing where you know it it's small it it fits in your pocket hence the name uh a pocket knife so it's something that's easy to to carry with you all the time. Um, they can also be like artful objects, uh, just in and of themselves. Not all of them are, <laughs> but you know they're made of you know attractive materials like stainless steel and wood, and sometimes maybe like bone or precious metals or gems or things like that. So you can you know you can treat it like a watch or you know a piece of jewelry or also like a t-shirt um you know there's just this like aspect of of self-expression kind of embedded in there too um yeah i think i think that's that's kind of it that's what that's my guess i mean that was a gorgeous answer for 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 someone who immediately criticized the question that was uh, a pretty good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty good rundown. Um, uh, okay, so that's that's a great summation. I agree. I mean, the 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 there's something about being able to hold an object, particularly one with weight, and you know, knives are ergonomically designed, so they fit in your hand, and there's that's mm-hmm. special. Um, mm-hmm. So, aside from all the utility and everything else, just just that quality to me is is uh, really attractive and. Um, well, let's get into the others. So after after that uh, summation, Tanner, what does an informed consumer need to know when shopping for a pocket knife? There's a ton of information, so there, right? Yeah, there there is a ton of stuff that 
you could dig into to know before uh, making a purchase of a pocket knife. I, th- I think the first thing that you need to know is, like, what are you going to use the knife for? That's the question okay. that you have to answer first. And then you can kind of dig into all the different variables within pocket knives and figure out how the knife can answer that question. So we're talking, you know, the the type of knife, uh, the size, like the shape of the blade, the kind of materials, um, all, all that good stuff. And then, and then price too, you know, price is always part of it. Like how much do you want to spend? And price will kind of be a factor in determining all of those other elements. Let's start with the basics, though. What we're, we're talking also about pocket knives, like you said up top. We're not talking about knives, which can be, you know, any number of uh, sort of like forms. Um, right. We're typically talking about a folding pocket knife. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I think when most people uh, think of or hear pocket knife, they think of a folding knife. There are like, there are some exceptions where a fixed blade knife, which is a knife that that doesn't fold, um, could also be a pocket knife. uh, Because, you know, they they make them of all all different sizes too. And uh, they come with like different sheaths and things that do allow okay. you to uh to use them kind of like a pocket knife but no you're you're right for the most part folding is the key factor i can't imagine carrying like a, a fixed blade knife in a sheath in my pocket i don't know that's <laughs> that's another level it's um, kind of maybe it's kind of aggressive there's also a there's also a kind of knife called a neck knife and they're typically small fixed blade oh, knives right. that you wear around your neck which is also kind of funny (laughs) yeah you can people because we've been hanging masks and stuff off off chains now too you could have glasses masks knives maybe a pen you can throw it all on your neck that'd be great Uh, (laughs) okay so we're talking about folding knives um and there are in within that category though there are a lot of different types right we can we can talk about different types of folding knives in terms of how they lock how they open um how i'm not sure how to describe it but sort of where the blade sits when it's closed all sorts of different uh form factors so can you run me through a few of those uh yeah totally there i mean yeah i mean you you nailed a bunch of them but you know the if you think of a knife how basic of a form it is you know it's a blade and a handle any sort of variance in either element or how the two elements come together uh like gives you a different type of knife in a way and um there are designers make intentional decisions in adjusting any single feature of a knife so um like blade shape might be the most obvious thing that people come across um when they're looking at different types of pocket knives pocket knives generally aside from the very few people who are who have like a scabbard i don't know sewn into their pockets and can carry a a fixed blade um are going to be you know folding knives um but the variation then is 
many variations. One of the biggest variations is the, the blade itself, like the shape of the blade and the style of the blade. Can you yeah. run us through the styles and the, the, the shapes, uh, maybe the common shapes that uh, people might come across? And we'll try to describe them for people who obviously can't see what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, first off, like a uh, blade type, which might refer to essentially like the, the edge. So you'll find plain edge knives, which th- it's very common. They, they're non serrated knives. And then you do have another, you know, the opposite of that would be a, a serrated knife. Uh, yeah. Kind of like a, like a steak knife. Um, but more in the, in the pocket knife realm, you might find partially serrated knives. And those are kind of like, when I think of sort of the types of blades, those are the big types of blades but then when you get into sure. blade blade shape which is you know it's it's like a sub category of type of blade but that's like then then the it, variations get big is it safe to say then like as a as a piece of advice that serrated versus non is like serrated if you're going to be is it just kind of like a more aggressive style if you're going to be cutting through stuff that's you know rougher or or hardier you need something with serration yeah, exactly. Like, uh, what, what are you going to be using the knife for? If, you know, if you're going to be cutting through rope, uh, yeah, you might want some, some serrations there. Um, or if you're going to be, if you want like a pocket knife that you can eat steak with, uh, that might come in handy. <laughs> Perfect use case. Um, okay, so I assume that steak knife isn't a uh, shape of blade, but what are some more common ones that, that people might come across in a, in a, their initial search? Yeah, so the most common uh, blade shape people are going to come across is called a drop point, um, drop point knife. And it's like kind of the almost like the default is how I think of it, or maybe like plain <laughs> is another way to think of it. I don't mean that in a bad right. way at all, but it's just like, it's straightforward. Um, and so a drop point is sort of characterized by uh, a spine, which is the top part of the knife that kind of gently curves down to the tip. Mm-hmm. And then the edge mm-hmm. part of the knife does the same thing. You know, it, it curves up to the tip in however way it does. Right, just sort of like a standard. There's nothing, essentially, I, I imagine that shape kind of varies within the, the category of drop point. Totally. But basically, if you're looking at what you think is a standard knife, it's probably a drop point. Um, and then that's kind of like all purpose because it is kind of the the standard. Is that is that fair to say? Like you can use that for most anything you, you come across? Yeah, it's very versatile. Yeah. Uh... What, what ends up happening because both the edge and the spine are curving is you wind up with a relatively fine point. Um, and it also maintains like a, a big edge, uh, like a clean edge for, for slicing or, you know, doing, doing whatever with. So it just ends up with a, a very versatile form. Right on. And what else do we have? A couple other uh, shapes. Yeah, so another one that is very common is called a clip point um mm-hmm. and you could also you could almost think of this as like uh imagine that drop point sort of your your standard blade 
and like take a chunk out of the top part the spine right in front of the tip um okay you know these are these it's a common hunting blade um because you wind up with often an even finer point to the blade um but again like there's tons of variations within what a clip point is that that sort of like clipped out part of it might be like very obvious and and like circular or it might just be like a very subtle sort of angle change in that top part of the knife right so it's kind of it at the the base it's thicker and it it's just a much more drastic point uh at the tip for yep. more aggressive use um yep. and what else do we have i know tanta's in there but uh that's always my favorite but maybe there's a uh, one or two others yeah tanto is an interesting one uh tanto blades come from feudal japan and the the swords and daggers and things that the samurai used uh a tanto blade has like a very angular edge to it so you can use it's like pretty much two straight lines in a lot of cases where the the blade comes to a hard angle and then changes direction and goes up to the tip and Mm -hmm. i mean it was a weapon at one time, but now you'll see it on pocket knives. It's just kind of like a style, like statement sort of thing. Um, but another another two actually that I'll, I'll bring up because these are also common and, and becoming more common are uh, Warncliffe and a sheep's foot, and they, they're okay. two kind of like funny names. Uh, but they they come from like very utilitarian purposes and and both of these knives have a flat edge so think of a a flat line coming out of the handle and then it's actually the top part of the knife the spine that comes out on a worn cliff it starts at the handle and makes a gradual curve down to meet the blade at the point and on a sheep's foot it's a little different it stays flat coming out of the handle and then very close to the point it makes a sudden curve down so these are kind of like longer, slopier knives that uh, have broader points to them. Got it. And um, with all those, how do you, how do you essentially choose a shape uh, based on a use use case? Yeah. So it it really comes down to what you're doing or what you want to be doing with the knife. Um, so you know, I, I mentioned hunting a second ago. If you're hunting and you want to be processing game in the field uh you you want a knife that has a sort of like a finer angled uh point to it um that just you know gives you more precision for whatever it is you're going to do you're going to be using the tip a little bit more but if you are i don't know like if you there's a lot of sort of like per your personality comes into play too like maybe you're just carrying your knife around you're opening boxes with it um you're you're doing whatever it's like an, an everyday knife you can kind of go with whatever you like the most um okay but yeah i mean i mean the you might want to think about are you going to be are you going to be camping with it do you think you're going to be slicing like food and stuff in that case you know the the sheep's foot or the worn cliff because that edge is just a flat sort of line like you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to get that kind of rocking motion that you would with like a full size chef's knife, but on a drop point blade 
like you can sort of get that so that's kind of a better option for camping and hiking so they're like little kind of use case slash personal preferences uh that can guide your choice um but really it's like think about what you're going to be doing with it and uh choose from there we could go on and on about knives forever uh but there's a, a top sort of handful of really familiar brands yeah. can you can you tell us some of your favorites and some of the best out there that people should definitely keep on their list yeah totally um yeah and as you mentioned there there's so so many and it's a lot of a lot of the small ones are doing really cool things too and you also have just individual makers who are doing really really cool things too but yeah some of the yeah. big ones that people are going to find commonly in you know outdoor gear stores hardware stores wherever um you've got benchmade you've got gerber um sog and then crkt which is stands for columbia river knife and tool um these are some of the big ones uh they're all based in in oregon (laughs) coincidentally (laughs) um and then there's Spiderco. Spiderco is another great one that people should look out for. Um, another one I'll point out too is this company called We Knife Co. Um, and they have what is it? We W E. Oh, We. Okay. Yep. I we. thought you meant like I thought you were pronouncing like I couldn't tell if it was French or like the Nintendo thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, W E We. Um, and they've got a sub brand called Zivivi. And there, it's a Chinese uh, a knife company that is is doing some really cool stuff. Um, you know, Victorinox is another one. They make the Swiss mm-hmm. Army knife, so a lot of people probably know know that one, even if maybe they don't know the name Victorinox. So, I mean, those are it's what six or seven brands. What kind of separates one brand from from another? It's, you know, it's, there's a lot of different elements. Sometimes it's like, what, what kind of style knives are, is the company making? You know, some might be playing more in kind of like the tactical, uh, knife space. So it's, you know, your, you know, black handle, black blades, serrations, like bigger blades, that kind of thing. Um, whereas some others might be going more for like the everyday carry space. So like, smaller knives you know introducing more color kind of more refined materials like t- taking a uh a more thoughtful approach to the look of the knife rather than just like making something super tough and burly can you give examples from that list of brands so like we're talking like tactical versus like utility versus more stylish um i have my ideas but i wonder if they match yours okay yeah yeah so um you know, traditionally, actually, SOG was more in the tactical space and, and still does have a, a big footprint there. But but recently, they are uh, making more everyday carry knives. So they are thinking more about, like, aesthetics and just kind of like a different kind of knife user. Um, okay. You know, Gerber has always sort of been more of, in, in my mind, you know, they, they do a lot of tactical stuff too, but they make a lot of sort of outdoor-focused knives, um, a, a lot of multi-tools too. Um, mm-hmm. And then let's see here. Uh, another so, one. And also also kind of like a more approachable price point too for a lot of Gerber stuff, as I, yeah. in my experience. Totally. Right? Totally. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then Benchmade was another one that I mentioned. And Benchmade in, seems to be le- a little less tactical um, and more high-end. So they're, they're making a lot of stuff with really high-end materials, which means they're going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, but yeah, just like a, a better, more premium product. Right. And we, a lot of these, I mean, we're, we're recommending in sort of the premier, I just reused your own word there, in this best pocket knives guide we've got. Uh, so you can find that linked below uh, to research a little bit more here. But then you have brands like Victorinox, you say, with Swiss Army. So does that tend to be more utilitarian, I would imagine? Yeah, I mean, Victorinox is almost in a, like a category. They've created their own category with the Swiss Army knife. They're, you know, because there are there are so many different kinds of Swiss Army knives out there. But they also make, um, you know, more I guess traditional folding pocket knives as well as a couple fixed blade knives. Um, more utilitarian, I would say. Right on. Uh, so that's that's kind of a spectrum. There are, as we've said, I mean, there are super small little knife makers out there there are uh these are the kind of the big giants you might hear of uh definitely those to consider um so so then within those categories whether we're talking about um a really high-end blade um something that's a little more stylish everyday carry there something that really fascinates me about pocket knives is how they open and how they sort of close and stay stay how they stay open all those sorts of qualities can we run through uh those elements as well yeah totally um and this is something that comes you know we're kind of referring to like the action of a blade action is the word it's how a knife opens and closes how it moves um and this this is something that can be specific to a brand you know brands will patent different locking mechanisms or different opening mechanisms um so there's a lot of variety here but you know like what let me see what's on a a swiss army knife for example this is a good example because i think maybe a lot of people have held one before there's like a little notch out of the blade and you pull it open you Mm -hmm. shove your nail in there and you pull the blade open that's called a nail neck that's probably the most basic sort of opening mechanism and then on the other end of that spectrum, you have fully automatic knives where you literally you just press a button and the blade like shoots out in under two seconds. Uh, <laughs> like a like a switchblade? Uh, so, yes, like a switchblade. Uh, a lot of switchblades are fully automatic um, and fully illegal in a lot of places, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we'll touch on some laws a little later. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh... A specific uh sort of use case there i would imagine um okay what else we got so we've got that's kind of like the spectrum but there's stuff right. in the middle too right yeah so you know maybe a good middle point is there's assisted opening knives and usually what happens in one of these is that you have to do the work you have to use your own hands to begin opening the blade um or pulling a lever or something and then at some point there's a spring in there that will kick in and kind of like help you do that so it speeds up the opening of the knife blade um and there's again there's like a lot of 
variations in between depending on the brand uh depending on the style of knife but those are kind of like that's like a good overview of that and then um you mentioned locks too yeah yeah so not all pocket knives lock you know again this the swiss army knife is just such a good benchmark most swiss army knives that i have held don't lock you know they they do stay open but that's not necessarily the same thing as a lock. A lock is an actual mechanism that to close the blade, you know, you have to move a piece of metal out of the way or, you know, press a button or kind of like hold something back. But yeah, so a, a Swiss Army knife has a, a slip joint uh, mechanism to it. So there are, as you're closing it, you might feel it sort of stop and be working against different things in there. So there's there are friction pieces going on in there that are you know preventing you from just like slamming it shut on your finger or something um but yeah then then a, a couple other obvious ones or not obvious but common ones rather uh liner locks and frame locks are both kind of okay. similar they are they exist sort of within the channel of the blade some people uh who like aren't super familiar with handling knives get kind of finicky around them because you have to use your thumb you essentially put your thumb like in the path of the blade in order to move that piece of metal out of the way that's holding the blade open um those are pretty common i actually have a pretty pretty serious scar on one of my fingers from that exact uh action uh but that i bungled pretty terribly once so uh, oh, no. be careful with that type yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the it's the the trade-off is that those locks are very sturdy very strong very secure so like they work really well keeping the blade from for keeping you from cutting yourself while you're using the knife right but when they're unlocked it's uh it's anyone's guess what's gonna happen uh, and then yeah. sorry i interrupted you before you got to the very last uh type of lock you were gonna mention uh yeah and another one that is becoming more common um uh was created by benchmade created and patented by benchmade it's called they called it the axis lock um and essentially it's it's kind of like a switch so it's like a little slider in the handle that you you pull it back to release the friction that's holding the blade closed and you can flip it open you can pull it open you can kind of choose your own adventure there um and then it lock <laughs> it locks open too, and then you you operate it the exact same way to close it. Um, and the the patent on that recently expired, so you'll see some other brands using that mechanism now, which is which is kind of cool to see. Right on. Um, I think that's what I'm holding here. This this Benchmade knife with this little uh, yep little guy. It's the bug out, which is a one of the knives that we recommend i think for camping you might have said like it's the yeah. best one for camping right the benchmade bug out so something i i use sometime but it's also a really good opportunity to talk about another uh element of of a, a good pocket knife is the, the handle sure there are different types of handles but also so many different kind of materials like like the crazy stuff the benchmade uses on this but uh, why don't you run us through a few of your uh top level uh handle types and materials yeah so they can be made out of literally anything um 
there was actually a, a cool collaboration uh, not too long ago uh, between the James brand, which is a smaller company, and they worked with a resin artist who just makes shapes out of liquid resin, and then it hardens. Uh, but they, they like worked with her to make some pretty crazy resin handles but more more common than that are you know just just plain old stainless steel um Mm -hmm. that's pretty common especially on cheaper knives uh some more affordable kind of uh plastic synthetic type materials um g10 and micarta people are gonna see those a lot in knife descriptions and if, if they feel just kind of like a hard plastic and they're often uh textured for grip um and they they come in different colors and stuff like that there's also i mean it should be said like super uh i don't want to say cheap but like the plastic that you'd see on a on a swiss army knife which is straight up plastic right like a yeah. cover over a steel blade um yeah. so not to confuse micarta and such with with that kind of like uh, shiny, uh, shiny plastic. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Not. No. My card. My card is actually a, a really great handle material. Um. And and G10 as well. Um. There. There's. Uh, very common. I guess I, sh- I should say. But yeah. And then, and then uh, there's you know there's there's up to titanium. Um. Titanium makes awesome handle. Uh. Aluminum. Um. Any kind of wood too. You know, stuff like beach uh, is maybe a, li- a little more on the affordable side, whereas you have like rarer hardwoods like cherry or even like ebony is kind of like a exotic hardwood. Um, they make really good handles too, but they're a little bit pricier. Yeah. So is that the main uh, consideration when you're thinking about a knife uh, handle material is the price or are there is it grip? What are we what are we thinking? Yeah, kind of all of the above. Um, again, it goes back to that question of what what are you going to use it for? Like if it's kind of your everyday knife or your uh, you know your first show knife, um, maybe maybe you want to go for the that nice rich cherry handle. But if you're you know if you're out using it as like a tool you're working with every day, or maybe it is like for camping, um, maybe you want to get something that can take a little bit more of a beating that can get wet um just that you don't mind using a lot sure i imagine weight is kind of in there too i mean you always talk about the balance or the weight of a knife um this benchmade that i was just talking about is like featherweight versus some of these others are solid steel and they just like are either easier to use as a result or easier to hold on to or just you know maybe more confidence inspiring um so it's uh, you know you kind of if you're buying online it's tough to know how these feel but you can kind of get an idea you know if you think through the the type of material there absolutely yeah and, and you just mentioned feel that's what I was gonna say you know feel how it feels in your hand might be more of a consideration in so, in some ways too if you're trying to like choose based on handle but you know handle is one factor in many when trying to choose a pocket knife right on so there are a couple other physical um considerations too so the biggest something that perhaps we should have covered first in in fact is the size 
of a of a pocket knife, right? There's yeah. the overall there's there's if we're talking about a folding knife, there's the size when it's closed, there's the overall when it's open, there's the blade length. So can you give us some some insights and, and sort of suggestions uh, in terms of uh, shopping around in those elements? Yeah, it's I suppose it's kind of uh, like hard to know what like especially if you're shopping online like what a sort of an appropriate length for a knife blade is um but yeah i don't know i guess the, the way i like to think of it is you know two inches or shorter you're talking a pretty small pocket knife blade potentially mm-hmm. a, po- a small pocket knife too but there are some weird ones where there's like a big handle and a small blade uh so it might, it might end up still being a big pocket knife but <laughs> Uh, generally, generally two inches and under is a smaller pocket knife. Um, that might be more of like your everyday one because it's going to fit more comfortably in your pocket. Uh, and then going above that, you know, like two and a half inches to three and a half inches is -hmm. what I think of as kind of like the sweet spot. Uh, the Goldilocks approved knife blade, perhaps, um, not too short, not too long. And that that's just going to be, like, good, all-purpose, versatile, etc. Um, good for lots of different Easy things. to control, too, right? Like totally. That's essentially, the, the length of your finger. So it's kind of like, if you're holding it in your hands, kind of like an extension of a finger. Yep. Maybe one reason to, one way to think about that. Totally. Uh, and then, yeah, and any, anything longer than that, you're getting more into... Maybe it's more of like a display piece, or maybe it's more for a specific uh, use. So, tactical knives might be longer than that. Um, knives for bushcrafting, which is kind of like survival uh, knife skills, um, those can tend to be longer than that because you need a longer blade to do things like, you know, hack up wood for a fire or, you know, try to build a shelter, <laughs> whatever you're doing out there. Make your way through a jungle, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Good old uh, G- Gerber makes a folding machete. So, uh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, if we're using that folding definition for pocket knife, maybe a machete can be a pocket knife. Okay, yeah, you got to get a hell of a pocket, but uh, I guess it counts. Um, all right, so those are there are like th- sort of three categories in your in your view that of a length that people need to be thinking about maybe leaning into that middle one. Um, and in terms of blades, we're talking about the edge of the blade, which is the sharp part. Um, and overall, particularly because there are moving parts on these maintenance is something that you have to think about. Sure. Some of these are less expensive and uh, maybe don't, you won't wouldn't care too much about ruining them eventually with sand and grit and all that, or maybe the blade, but some of them are not, uh, and may, may require maintenance. So what's your take on, you know, taking care of a pocket knife? Yeah. So, um, the, the best thing that you can do to make a knife last longer is just keep it clean. Um, you know, anytime you're using it on, on food or, you know, out in the, the woods and dirt and stuff, whenever, just like keep it as clean as you can afterwards. Um, and then also to keep it well oiled is, an, is another good one. Um, and there are 
some like knife specific lubrications that you can buy um so you can you know just every once in a while drop a couple drops in the uh the mechanism that it spins open on um and you can kind of rub an oily rag over the blade every once in a while and and that is kind of like the basic everyday sort of maintenance that you can do to make it last a long time um and then sharpening you know depending on what kind of uh steel you have because some steels are easier to sharpen than others you can you can do some home sharpening and make sure that thing is is always sharp which makes it you know easier to use um but but will also keep it working longer right so speaking of steel that was gonna be my last sort of like big category to consider yeah. uh before we jump into three of our top wrecks because i have seen heard and uh read the aftermath of you going crazy about like <laughs> like blade uh materials so can you Give us like a really brief 101, just like things people need to maybe keep their ears perked up uh, for when they're shopping. Yeah, totally. And you're you're spot on that like knife steel is a rabbit hole that you can fall into and (laughs) never climb out again. (laughs) Um, But there there are some cool there's some easy things that just like points of understanding um, that can help you find your way around what knife steel is um and these are kind of like the traits of knife steel so every kind of steel has these traits um and they are corrosion resistance so that's you know how it holds up to uh acidity and chemicals and stuff like that uh edge retention which is just how well it holds its sharpness um over time and as you continue to use it another so uh, another one is toughness uh, which refers uh-huh. to a blade's ability to, you know, withstand sudden impacts or forces uh, without cracking or chipping. Um, and then another that's kinda one. That's kind of like, um, well, that's kind of like brittleness, right? Totally. Yeah, is it, totally. Is, is that right? Yeah. Thinking about like tools, like a, like a, a metal file is very brittle, but it's also very hard. So just to. Yeah, and that that's exactly that's exactly how it works with with knife steel too. Um, and then yeah, the the last one I'll mention is just ease of sharpening, which is you know that's pretty straightforward. How easy it is to sharpen the knife again once it dulls. Um, and so these are kind of like your your touchstones in understanding knife steel. Every single type of steel is going to excel in some of these areas and maybe be a little worse in other areas because a lot of them are inversely related um so you know you crank one up and then you're gonna end up losing out on another one um but that's like the that's the big overview and i would i would just say that whenever you're looking at a knife the the steel type should be listed uh if it isn't it's i'm guessing it's a very cheap knife um but you can just look it up and you can there's tons of resources online uh that'll pop up you know just type in like you know d2 steel or whatever traits and it'll all come up and you can kind of make a decision whether you're getting the type of steel you want yeah is there kind of like a 
a standard, like we talked about uh, drop point blade kind of being the go-to for a pocket knife uh, blade shape. Is there also a, a type of steel that's very common that people should, you know, maybe be familiar with and and would be okay to, to purchase for a general use? Yeah, yeah, totally. And there there are a ton out there. Um, excuse me. There, no there are a ton out there lots of weird little specific ones too um you know for for example the one that i just mentioned uh d2 is a type of tool steel and so you're going to find that one more it's like a mid-range steel you're going to find that on more affordable knives for the most part um you know we're talking maybe 50 dollars range sometimes cheaper sometimes more expensive um another one so let's say you want to get you want to kind of like approach the real the high end territory. Um, we're talking maybe a hundred dollars and up. Uh, you might see CPM S three five VN, which is a <laughs> everybody. I assume everyone wrote that down immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So can you say that one more time? I can't believe you have that in your head. Yeah. So CPM. S35VN, or you might even just see S35VN. <laughs> um, a lot of the names are, it's just like a string of numbers and letters. That's just how uh, steel naming works, and it has to do with the ingredients in each type of steel. But that's probably another conversation. Um, but yeah, that, that S35VN steel is just like a really solid all around kind of like balances all of the traits I mentioned really well. Um, but it is a little bit more expensive. So you're talking, I I believe I've seen it for $100. Uh, Gerber makes a knife called the Fastball that has that for 100 bucks, But it, it typically gets pricier from there. Okay. That is, uh, yeah, it, we've done a lot of, we can put, of course, links to stuff, but you've done a lot of writing about, like I said, about types of steel. Um, I see posts pop up every now and then about like new types of steel yep. uh, or like really rare. There's all sorts of developments. It seems pretty constant. I mean, this is, it's science, so it's always advancing. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, so I'm going to summarize to this point, and then we're going to give people three top picks okay. to sort of uh, look for and maybe start their search with. But, you know, if you're just getting into a pocket knife uh, buying uh, phase and you're getting gift for yourself, whatever, there are all sorts of factors. We've got blade uh, style and blade shape. Most of us are going to be looking for something like a drop point, which is pretty standard. Um, maybe you want to go serrated, half serrated. I tend to have like a half serrated. It feels really great for me. There are all sorts of, of handle materials uh, and types. A lot of them are plastic. Some other materials called like micarta. Uh, some are steel, some are wood. And that depends all about feel. And you said like that's a really important part of knife use, whether that means it's weight, it's grip, etc. Three lengths. There's a that Goldilocks is right in the middle, somewhere around like finger length, like three-ish inches, but then there are really short blades, there are very long blades. Um, 
there are locking mechanisms, there are uh, uh, opening assist mechanisms in terms of uh, the action for the knife. And then there are brands to consider. Some are more heavily focused on EDC, everyday carry, kind of stylish, uh, single-use stuff, some more utility. And then type of steel is something that Tanner loves to talk about and will just just bend your ear for uh, quite a while. Um, But when we're considering all of these elements, um, you've tested hundreds of knives, if not more. uh, And... You know, in our in our best pocket knife buying guide, you've whittled it down to three. Nice. So let's walk through the whittled. Was that a pun? I didn't even mean to make. Um, that's my reputation. People call puns when they hear them when I don't mean to make them. It's not a good thing to be known for. Uh, so let's go through our three wrecks. Um, yeah. We our buying guides shake out into three categories for our top recommendations that are just get this. If you're going to get a knife, this is the one to get the step up. You're going to spend a little more money on it. And the smart spend uh, is a more economical grab, but all three are going to be super, uh, you know, know, super well served to your purposes. So let's walk through these. Sure. Just get this. What's your pick? So for just get this, we have, CRKT's uh, Pilar 3. So this is the uh, the third iteration of a knife that CRKT has been making. Um, and part of the reason why it's it's the just get this pick is because of the price. Um, you know, if you want like a really good knife, it's one of those things where you're sort of looking at spending close to $100 is, is what I would say. Um, but you can still get like great knives for cheaper. Uh, the Pilar three hovers right around $50. Um, and what you get for that is it's got like a roughly a three inch blade, uh, D two steel, which we just talked about, uh, recently, which is just, you know, it's very easy to take care of, which is also great for sort of maybe like a beginner knife (laughs) person uh you want to be able to take care of it um and yeah and it's fairly lightweight um and it's just got like a nice a nice blade shape to it it's a it's like a spear point drop point combo um but just great for for a variety of different things so that's the just get this pick uh yeah that's i mean it's a great price i love crkt i've had CRKT knives for years and years, uh, and that price really is a steal, um, which is not a pun, but it could be considered one. So if anybody is keeping track, there you go. Um, the step up. So if we're spending a little more money, you said that uh, you know a really good knife is usually about a hundred bucks. CRKT Pilar three came in at fifty two. The next one is going to be a little more expensive, and I want you to tell me about it. Yeah. So the the step up is the Carter by the James brand. Um, and again, like you can go higher grade, more expensive. Uh, but we're thinking about the step up as like, you're upgrading from the just get this, um, just getting in the higher mm-hmm. quality stuff, but not necessarily like, you know, holy grail stuff that you're never going to actually be able to afford. 
Um, so this knife is right. still affordable. The Carter is 159 bucks, um, and it's got some great materials to it, um, but it also looks really good. It's just a good-looking knife. It's like a handsome pocket knife, which is important, I think, if you're spending a lot of money on a knife. Um, but yeah, some of its qualities or traits, it's, uh, it's got a 2.75 inch blade, which is right in that sweet spot we talked about. Um, drop point, which is that common blade shape we talked about. Um, and it's Mm -hmm. blade steel is a type called VG 10, which, um, you know, in, in years past, a lot of people considered like a really high end steel, but now that steel, formulation has just uh like gone through the the roof here it's it's maybe not seen as that so much but it's an excellent kind of steel um one one cool thing about it is that it's highly corrosion resistant um a lot of like japanese chef's knives uh come in bg10 and they're you know they're working with a lot of seafood and and acids and things so that's kind of part of this steel's origin story there um but again, it's easy to maintain. So even with this step-up pick, we're, we're trying to think of knives that are easy for people to integrate into their knives, you know, without necessarily having to go out and buy a, you know, like a grinder to keep in their garage to sharpen their pocket knife. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, the James brand is is pretty sick. Uh, a lot, they use the word the a lot, but yeah. I'm still a fan. Um <laughs> And then the smart spend is typically, you know, a little more affordable in in most categories, and it's still a really great uh, option. This is super affordable in in the in the pocket knife smart spend. So tell me about this one. Yeah, so this is Oppenel's number eight, uh, and it costs seventeen dollars, which is like typically cheaper than I would ever recommend like buying a knife for. Uh, if you actually want to like use it for a long time, <laughs> but yeah. but no, like uh, Oppenel is a French brand that's been around since the 1800s, um, and they've been making this knife or a version of this knife like since then. And so there's a really cool historic element to it, and folks should, folks should look this one up because it's a very good looking knife too, which I is also super rare for cheap knives. Normally, you're talking like black handle, steel blade, and just very sort of plain and boring. But this thing has a nice mm-hmm. uh, beechwood handle and a stainless steel blade. It looks really good. It's a great size. It's uh, a little over three inches long for the blade. It's got a cool locking mechanism on it, too. It has a, a collar lock. So essentially, just like part of the handle, the steel part of the handle swivels to either keep the blade open or closed. Um, again, it's like super simple. It's not like mechanically technical at all, but it's got that cool history to it and it looks great. So that's the, uh, that's the smart spend pick. Yeah, right on. Those are really cool. And Oppenel has a bunch of, um, they often have like collaborations where they have different painted handles and all sorts of different types of wood and stuff. And they're all very affordable. I just got one of those for my uh, nephew, my 14-year-old nephew. Oh, nice. Loved it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a super little gift uh, and a great thing to pick up. 
Um, so we have a ton more. You can check out links, uh, listeners, down below. There are a ton more uh, recommendations from Tanner in that same piece. They're just not the top three picks, but there are um, picks from Benchmade and Victorinox and Leatherman and uh, several other brands uh, that we've mentioned throughout. And they are all uh, geared toward different kinds of uses, which is really what you have to think about Um from the get-go, when you're when you're buying any product, certainly, but but definitely something as utilitarian as a knife. Um, Tanner, my last question for you is: What uh, you have a ton, obviously, but what uh, are you, knife are you using now or or most recently? Uh oh, that's a great question. I've been I've been using the Carter, which we just talked about a lot, but I'll tell you, uh, Benchmade recently rolled out this whole like customizer for the bug out um and they just uh the other day they just added a bunch of new materials like you can get it with a titanium handle and uh like a s9dv blade which is like what we call a super steel um i mean i could go on and on but i i got one coming to me and i'm really excited to check it out because the the bug out's a great knife and um now you can get it in a bunch of different materials and colors and stuff, which is really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And I mean, we, we've sort of both settled on a, a separate personal endorsement here, but I love the bug out. Uh, it's uh, it's my favorite go-to. So I'll have to check out that configurator. Um, cool. Well, this is, I mean, this is a ton of information. Anybody listening who has made it this far knows this is, you know, it's very obvious that this rabbit hole, like Tanner said, can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, I guarantee you, if you have a question about knives, pocket knives, um, and, uh, you know, where to, what to get, for whom, for what, the answer is on Gear Patrol, and it probably has Tanner's name on it. Uh, If you have any you know, you want to just do a little uh, light reading, you can check the show notes below for links to, you know, everything we just talked about and and more. There are a lot of resources down there. Um, and if you have any questions or suggestions or want to tell us what you are uh, using, you know, what pocket knife you've got in your daily rotation, hit us up on social media. Uh, handle is Gear Patrol. It's one word. You can comment on any of these articles that Tanner wrote. He'd love that. He loves to hear from people. Uh, and you can email me directly uh, at podcast at gearpatrol.com. And I will share what you say with Tanner unless it's a secret, in which case I will keep it to myself. And you probably shouldn't be emailing it to a stranger. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hope you're subscribed. And if you really do love it, please give us a five-star review. If only because that will help uh, it get in front of many more people because of algorithms and computers uh, and how they work. Um, so Tanner, thank you a ton for your brain, uh, the repository of knowledge, your little rabbit hole of, of knife uh, news. Uh, we'll have to have you back to talk about the rest of it sometime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's nice to have somewhere to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give you. A, I'll just. Uh, I'll walk away from the microphone for a while, and you can just keep going on your own. Sounds good. Um, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk about more. And uh, everybody, there's a lot more to learn. So stay tuned. Uh, but for now, I'm Nick Caruso. 
And uh, until next time, take care.